Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen. This is episode 115. On the line, as always, David Mirakitani. David, how are things? Good, man. Really good. Uh, back from Chicago. We might have a special, don't want to jinx it, we might have a special guest on here at the end of the podcast, but uh, last weekend was chicken soup for the soul, man. It was a, a cool, some great wrestling and just some other cool stuff and, and what people are doing to make wrestling using wrestling to make the world a better place. You always end up in the best places and you're up in Chicago this weekend. Why don't you tell us all about that? I don't know about always the best places, but <laughs> I do what I can to avoid the bad places. Right. So yeah. Um, you know, Mike Powell, uh, Oak, longtime Oak Park River Forest coach, uh, recently switched jobs and became the director or president. I don't want to get the title wrong of beat the streets, Chicago. And, uh, this is something that Track did a great job of promoting. Jim Nelson did an interview with Mike and he had some kind words for a lot of the people involved, including myself, but he put together five top flight teams. There's OPRF, Montini, and then from out West Poway, and then from out East Lake Highland Prep and Bergen Catholic. And so, uh, you know, it was a, a five round duel where, you know, you wrestled all four teams and had a buy somewhere in there. And then the la- before the last round, uh, Kamal Bay, who's an OPRF alum, was going to do a Greco demonstration with Ellis Coleman, who's also an OPRF alum. Uh, Ellis had to pull out. Kendrick Sanders was cool enough to come in at the last minute. I've known Kendrick for a long time, and uh, we were actually able to hang out. They're, those guys are awesome dudes, man. And the, the, the demonstration was off the charts. For people that think Greco is boring, they need to see this thing. You know, the pay-per-view is still available and the pay-per-view is a donation to beat the street Chicago. So if you're, you know, if you're interested in this and there were some amazing matches to it, a ton of ranked kids, the Lake Highland prep probably won the dual meet of the year against Bergen Catholic. They won 39, 29 and forfeited intentionally two weights. Uh, the big swing match was their 220 moved at the 285 was on his back twice including probably three inches from being pinned at the end of the period. The Bergen Catholic heavyweight picked down the 220-pounder from Lake Highland, broke him down, came out front, put him in a in a barbed wire or a butcher or an X-out, whatever you want to call it, rolled him over and pinned him. It was at least a 10-point swing, and that was the duel. Yeah, high school duels are often wild, even at the highest levels with the best team. So that's a fantastic ending. And yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about Kamal Bay and Kendrick Sanders' um, exhibition. It's just, I, you're right. I don't understand how people can watch Kamal Bay wrestle Greco either at an exhibition or anywhere <laughs> and say it's not exciting. Because even when he doesn't win, he goes for it and it just creates action. Um, N- nothing but good things for the sport from him and great things by beat the streets, Chicago. Well, they had a, a, what they did was they had a bunch of the signs like the slam dunk contest and they, they had a contest of who hit it more nasty is what they called it. <laughs> and they were going to have me MC that. So my 48 year old financial planning nerd was going to do it. And I, uh, I gave Mike Powell a heart attack and literally five minutes ahead of time, handed it off to Robbie Smith who absolutely destroyed it was so good. Um, so it's, it's a super cool watch, man. And they're hitting, it's like, Hey, you hit an arm spin. I hit arm spin who hit it better. Like belly to back saltos, all kinds of like high dives. 
it was awesome. I I want, did the walkthrough with them the day before, and I'm like, this these people are gonna freak out, and it was crazy good. So shout out to Paul, shout out to all the volunteers, Kathy Yen, Eddie Valdez, just that whole crew of people up there. The, their hospitality and everything else could not have been uh, better. You know, we Kendrick and I were were treated like kings, and and Kamal's obviously royalty going back home. Absolutely. Um, Good event up there. Beat the streets. I mean, there's a lot of beat the streets organizations across the country doing good work, and obviously Chicago getting in on it. Uh, it's great to see. And uh, like you said, if you haven't seen that yet, go check it out. It's a donation, and you get to see some great wrestling. I mean, I don't know how you can do better than that. Uh, support a good cause yeah. and see great wrestling. Yeah, I got a ton of calls from high school uh, college coaches. Like, well, what do you think of this guy and that guy? So, you know, there was there's a ton of hammers up there, man. It was. Uh, it was an awesome experience. And I mean, I'm already looking forward to going to back uh, next year. Uh, my, my friend, Mark Ostrander, who helps me with the rankings, did the play by play with me. He was awesome. Just never, it was awesome. It was a super cool thing. And um, we're going to make a big announcement next week about my charity event. But uh, I think it was a good turbo charge for me mentally to like, look, it's time to sprint and make ours as hopefully as good as this one was. Absolutely. Um, let's let's move over some D1 action this, this last week. Obviously, we'll get to the rankings. Uh, but first, don't we have a new sponsor? We do. And this is, this is the kind of sponsor you and I love, the nerd stuff. So um, we uh, FantasyGrade.com and the Fantasy Wrestling National Championships have uh, generously agreed to sponsor us. They want to know if you know more about wrestling than your friends and everybody else. And if you do, prove it. From the online contest set up as a salary cap event to the live auction contest being held at the Yard Restaurant restaurant in Pittsburgh the Wednesday night before the NCAA tournament, FantasyGrade.com has you covered. Prove you know more than wrestling than your friends and people from around the country and go to FantasyGrade.com, sign up for the live contest, which features over $300 of guaranteed participation prizes, the online contest, or both. Rules and instructions are posted at fantasygrade.com. Sign up today and prove you're the smartest wrestling fan in the country. And I know I'm going to be there on Wednesday night, and I'm pretty sure if you're in town, you're going to be there Wednesday night. So people listening, uh, we could probably make a special deal and have Alex sign autographs that night if you guys are in, if you guys make it out. They're almost in the year. I'm pretty sure that... 19 JLY, right? Isn't that yeah. how you sign now? Yeah, I mean, I'm or 18, sure that, 18 JLY. Yeah, 17-18. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that anything I sign, it will be immediately devalued, but I'll be happy to devalue your items if that's what you want. Uh, I, I got to believe that whoever's going to win that listens to our podcast because, I mean, we got about the hardest fan out there listening to this thing. So I, I want to see champions from, from our fan base. I want to see champions. <laughs> that's right. I'm signing autographs as two-time sidekick of the year, if anybody's interested. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. We're going to have to figure out a way to extend that streak. We're going to get it done. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right, man. But seriously, it is awfully cool to work with you both, you guys. It's been an awesome experience. So... Another awesome experience this weekend was Bloomsburg uh, taking out Edinburgh for the first time since 2013, 21 to 19. You know, I've been ex- impressed with a few of the, uh, I struggle with how to say this, but um, non-traditional 
power programs, Bloomsburg, uh, Sacred Hearts won some duels this year. There's been some some movement in teams that we don't usually think about when we think about up and coming programs. So it's good to see. Obviously, Edinburgh struggling, you know, losing their head coach and lost a bunch of wrestlers in the off season. They're trying to figure out this transition. So I get it, but that's a good win for Bloomsburg and a uh, good bit dropped by my buddy Earl of TOM. Uh, Earl Smith over there at the open mat that uh, last time Bloomsburg beat Edinburgh, Richard Perry was in the lineup. So very cool. Yeah. Andy's and Andy's you're right. And this is how teams on the come up, make it happen. They win duels first because you end up, you start by getting a balanced lineup and then that balanced lineup helps you build superstars for sure. And obviously Andy's stuff about uh, Richard Perry's comeback. If, if, uh, if that doesn't make you emotional, you know, you probably need to go see a mental health doctor because what that guy's doing is amazing. Absolutely. Anytime we can mention his comeback, I, that's one of the best stories going right now. And uh, we wish nothing but the best for him as usual. He's doing a great job. I mean, that's that situation has been, you know, it was so scary in the beginning. And it's still, you know, it's still a serious thing. But he, the progress he's made, I don't. It's just amazing. You're absolutely right. If you can't feel feel something when you read about how he's doing, that's just yeah, you know, that's just amazing. It's a great story. Missouri had a really interesting duel against Ohio. Uh, obviously, we knew we weren't going to see Colby Smith a lot at 125, so that wasn't a super big surprise that he didn't go. But then they didn't wrestle Ernesti or Ironman, and then no Dylan Wisman. They actually bumped up Daniel Lewis to 184. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of banged up this time of year. The flu hit. So you, you don't want to overreact to one duel, but that, that was notable, wasn't it, David? It's definitely notable. And the zoo's win streak of 31 duels is notable. 31 dual meet wins. They're a team that takes dual meets really seriously. And you take for granted, they're going to find a way to get it done. Uh, they have a big duel with Oklahoma state the weekend of February 16th at Columbia, which is also the weekend of the Missouri state tournament. And your boy is doing the play-by-play for the state finals, so I get to sneak over between the medal rounds and the finals and take a look at that. And there's that on paper, Mizzou's going to have a hard time winning that duel. The, the matchups on in the rankings are in Oklahoma State's favor, so I think that place is going to be electric. I have so much respect for Coach Smith and Clemson and Johnson and 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 the Mizzou guys just how they run that program and how the consistency of winning that many duels in a row. Cause like you said, people get sick. There's the flu, there's injuries, there's guys that just flake out and these guys find a way to keep getting it done. So it's super impressive. Absolutely. Obviously, uh, that'll be a tough duel against the Cowboys. Of course, I think a lot of people thought Oklahoma State was going to beat Missouri last year, and then, uh, you know, Dean Howe got pinned, and suddenly Missouri was off to the races. They do a great job. And, you know, what I think we'll talk about this at some point, probably in the off season. but, you know, we had the multi-division national duels a couple of weeks back, and, you know, D1s is gone right now. There's nothing in its place. Uh, but, you know, Valuing duels, you know, making the regular season matter has been a common theme among a lot of people. But, you know, there are a lot of coaches out there doing that right now, you know, trying to put the best lineup they can out on that every time out, trying to value duels, trying to value their home fans. And I think Missouri is one of those. So uh, props to Brian Smith and those guys for doing a great job. And um, we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Most definitely. Yeah, that, that, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that duel. Two two programs, and 
Mizzou's beaten Oklahoma State, I think, three out of the last four or three out of the last five years. But, I mean, the, I, I remember when I was I'm so old, when I was coming out of high school, uh, Okie State and Iowa State and OU would send their backups to Mizzou. So, I mean, the, 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 the worm has really turned on this one for sure. Absolutely. Uh, moving over to some injury news for Lehigh. Um, it was reported this week that Scott Parker will not return this year. Um, it was originally reported by Tom Hausnick of the Morning Call, and I believe there was a tweet out there now from Parker himself confirming that he will not be back this season. Um, obviously, we are already confirmed that Connor Schramm, who's transferred from Stanford, will not suit up for Lehigh. His career ending with injuries. Uh, it's It's tough when you see these seniors that have you know, battled for a long time and we hope to see him make one last charge. And then they, they just, their bodies just don't hold out. So um, unfortunate for him. And, you know, Lehigh's just got a ton of injuries. They had a few guys back in the lineup as they beat Cornell this weekend, but uh, just, just really suffering. Yeah. I, I actually saw, I talked to the uh, Lehigh coach at the scuffle and I asked about Tram for ranking purposes. And they just said, don't rank him. And so I, you know, I didn't push it. I just, you know, Understood that. Scotty Parker, kind of an underrated guy. I mean, because, you know, he have some, you know, sort of puzzling losses and he even found a way to get some puzzling wins, like against Kay Brock. But uh, without a doubt, the guy's a two-time All-American. And, if you know, for those of us that wrestled, most of us would love to have been a two-time Division One All-American and, and not get a chance to wrestle our senior year. So super impressive career by that guy. Absolutely. Let's move into the rankings this week. I know everybody wants to talk about 133, and we will get to that. But we'll start off with 125. Uh, but first, let's talk about Resolite. Resolite, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From their zip mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, to their exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Starting at 125, uh, Malik Heinzelman came out of redshirt for the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, got a win against Indiana, um, and then lost to Rayvon Foley 19-6. to uh, He still looks pretty small overall. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but he's officially out of red shirt and the starter for the Buckeyes. Um, Foley had a good weekend beating Heinzelman and then taking out Travis Piotrowski of Illinois six to one, you know, from a rankings perspective, we expected that, uh, but it's still just more momentum for Foley. Who's having a really nice year. Um, Piotrowski also took out Drew Matt in Michigan three to two. Did you see anything else at 125, David? No, uh, Heinzelman snuck in the rankings at 25. Um, we moved Jack Mueller up a couple spots. It, it started him at seven and then kind of looked at his body of work versus Russell and Milhoff and moved him up to five. And then fully, I moved him from nine to eight over Fleetwood. So I think, you know, those team scores will be, you know, Virginia and obviously Michigan State will get a bump. And also, I, I, one of the things that I think is interesting to me like we talk about the fantasy stuff and things like that, like I don't think Patrick Glory is going to have a chance to move up much more because I don't think he sees hardly anybody left that's above him. And it's interesting because when Dubuque was on the podcast, he talks about, you know, and, and he's right, they'll wrestle anybody anytime, anywhere. But sometimes in, in, in a weight class basis, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. So yeah, it'll be 
really interesting match against Piccinini from Oklahoma State over the weekend. Um, Glory actually had the only two takedowns of the match, but he gave up six near fall um, when he went under Piccinini, and that was enough for a 9-6 win for the Cowboy in the end. But, you know, he continues to prove he can go with All-American types. I mean, you know, he just he's going to be a factor at the national tournament, so keep an eye on that if he stays low in the rankings. I think he's the most dangerous number 10 dude out there. You know, I, you know he's the one guy that I think, you know, that guy's probably going to place. You know, I mean, I have to go through everybody else, but he certainly feels that way. Yeah, I, I think I don't think you'd get a lot of questions from a lot of people about that. Okay, we have made it this far into the podcast, and we have not mentioned Dayton Fix, Nick Soriano, Reef, you know, official reviews, locked hands, hands to the face. We haven't mentioned any of that yet. We're going to. Um, let's run down the results really quick at 133 before we get into it, because uh, I think one of the other more interesting matches of the week um, was Austin DeSanto beating Ethan Lezak 6-1 to one, and some of the stuff that happened after that match. Um, Fix did end up beating Soriano 3-2 to two in sudden victory 2 on the hands-to-the-face call. And another interesting note that I'm watching that I don't think will end up coming to much, Sean Fawz actually wrestled up at 133 for NC State when they dueled against Brown. Um, their Twitter confirmed that he weighed in at 129. So it looks like he's going back down, but with Tariq Wilson out injured, um, it's at least worth keeping an eye on that situation. Right, David? Yeah, and he gets a match, right? He gets a match without having to kill himself. And, you know, he needs so many Division One matches to get a seed. So, I mean, that makes sense, right? If you're holding Tariq out and, you know, it, all that stuff, is that makes sense for sure. So you want to dig into Fix Suriano first or you want to dig into DeSanto-Lizak first? Uh, let's go with DeSanto-Lizak because I think it's a shorter discussion, even though it's also interesting. There's just a lot in Fix Suriano, so let's get to that second. Um, my take on, if you didn't see it, DeSanto did go under Lizak. He was able to reverse him. He pretty much controlled proceedings. You know, he never looked to be in danger, won at 6-1. to one. You know, all of that was the positive side. Everything looked good. You know, he was his usual intense, high-paced self, but nothing crazy. And then right at the end of the match, he just kind of went a little crazy, uh, you know, kind of slammed Lezak's head into the mat right at the end a couple of times, obviously was John, got into it with the crowd. There's some stuff out there about maybe he spit on the M in the middle of the mat. I couldn't confirm that. I couldn't tell if he did or not. It's hard to say. Um, got a team point deducted from his team, just in general, kind of that stuff that we saw last year that had everybody kind of take pause and, uh, question how this guy's, uh, you know, mental toughness was held together. And we hadn't seen it at Iowa and everybody, you know, I'd even commented on this podcast about maybe he's growing up and, you know, maybe he is, it's hard to say from one incident, but that was not a good look. Uh, what'd you make of it, David? I think you never want to root against usually anybody in life, but certainly an 18 to 23-year-old kid. Having said that, he makes it awfully hard to root for him. You know, my dad, you know, is a martial artist, and he said, if you win, stay little. If you lose, stay less. And I know that doesn't sell tickets. I know that doesn't sell pay-per-views. I know that doesn't help your social media following. I understand all that, and maybe you don't need to go to the Ron Maricatani extreme, but it's unnecessary, man. And the thing is, you know, you, you get 
what you put out there, you get, it comes back to you one way or another. So, you know, he's got to deal with Nick Soriano this weekend, who's not in a very good mood right now too. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Soriano face smashed him. And that's, I would not be surprised at all if there is our fisticuffs Friday night in Iowa. It would, I mean, it would not surprise me at all. Yeah. And it, it's a bad look for our sport, man. You know, 133 this weekend for a lot of reasons was a bad look for our sport. Yeah. And I mean, Iowa versus record, that's a must watch for that reason. And, you know, that's, you know, you mentioned there's some people out there that like to advance the theory that, you know, some of this, you know, trash talking, some of these antics and stuff like that is good. You know, it, it creates some villains. It creates some heat. There's some good things to that. I don't, I'm okay with that. I can get on board with that to a certain extent, but the stuff that DeSanto was doing at the end of the match, that wasn't it. You know, that wasn't, you know, playing to your crowd. I mean, it was kind of the villain role, but that was, it's just, like I said, it's unnecessary. Like the face mash on Lezak, that kind of stuff. That's not, you know, that's not interesting. That's not, it's just bad. And so I don't, I don't think that was it. You know, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about Gable Stevenson at some point again. Um, and some of the stuff that he does, that's, a, that's a different category for me than what DeSanto has been doing. So, um, unfortunate, hopefully he'll learn from that and hopefully we won't have to talk about it again. Um, but we'll see. And that, that Soriano matches must watch viewing as was the one against Dayton Fix this weekend or so we thought it was going to be, um, no, I was, I was tuned in. I can't imagine how many other people were ready to go, ready to watch this match. Um, they'd met in high school at the Who's Number One event, wrestled for half an hour in just a scramble fest that, you know, they did unlimited overtime at that event. So they literally wrestled for more than 30 minutes. Um, and this one took almost that long, maybe longer, but it was mostly us standing around waiting for the officials to make a call. Um, if you missed it, you pretty much, you didn't miss much. Um, you know, they, there were no offensive attempts to speak of from either guy. Uh, it went into overtime tied at one in the tiebreakers. There were, I believe three reviews for locked hands calls. Um, none of which ended up standing. One was called on the mat. Two were um, challenged from the side. None of them ended up being called. And then in sudden victory two with the match tied at two, Soriano hit Dayton Fix in the face with his hand, and they called the hands to the face that we've been talking about all year, and it was that was the end of the match because of uh, any score and sudden victory in the match. So it ended three to two. Dayton Fix got the win, and I don't think any of us feel good about it. Is that about sum it up, David? Yeah, a very good summary. I don't even think Dayton Fix feels good about it. I don't think John feels good about it. But here's the thing. They're they're just even, right? Like it was almost opposite matches. The first time they wrestled, I couldn't have given the referees more credit for not doing anything, right? Like they just let the kids wrestle, and it was an amazing match. I remember watching it in the basement with my buddies, and and we're just going crazy. This one, and you know, people will say, well, you know, there's so many sort of layers to this, right? Like one argument is you can't complain about a call when you don't take a shot for ten minutes, and that's a valid argument. I mean, that is a valid argument. The other side is these dudes are both world-class, or at least national-class go-behind counter-offense guys, and they know each other so well. There's no tricks left the other guy doesn't know. Uh, I mean, 
if I'm coaching either one of these guys, I'm like, you got to figure out how to ride this guy for 20 seconds. Cause I think it's going to come down to riding time in overtime. I also think Dayton's going to end up the number one seed at nationals because I think Soriano, you know, has the right formula to give me such problems. And I think Seth Gross is uh, not wrestling this year. And if he is, I can't imagine he's anywhere near a hundred percent. I saw our man Shane Sparks say, you know, they got to cut off the challenge at 90 seconds. I guess I see that. I mean, it's an arbitrary number, right? Like, so if they can get it right in 91 seconds, we shouldn't do it. And I've coached and I've watched guys, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. And when I was in a lot better shape, did those blood, sweat, and tears with them. And this is a, a guy's dream, a goal. And, you know, if it takes a few more seconds to get the right call, I, I'm more hesitant you know, than, than some people are to just go, well, that's, you know, that's it. It's 90 seconds. We've got to make a decision. So I, I know the system isn't, it's broke, right? It's not good, but I don't know what the answer is. And I don't, you know, I think if you put a time limit on, it might have to be like three minutes or something like that, where there's, there's only so many ways you can look at it because sometimes the technology just doesn't pop up right away. So I didn't think there was clasping, uh, it almost looked like they were playing like patty cake in that sit-out position. I actually think Soriano was trying to pull Fix's hands together to get a clasping call. That's what it looked like to me, which is smart. He didn't get it, but it looked smart. But I, th- those guys are so even. I mean, they're, they're going to wrestle with Nash. I mean, they're going to probably wrestle five more times, and probably there'll be two takedowns between them. Like, I, they're just too good – good at the same things i just don't see a lot of it changing yeah and there's there's a lot to unpack here i'm going to try to limit myself to a few comments just so that i don't spend the entire podcast talking about this i was if we had done this podcast sunday after the match uh it probably would have been three hours long and you probably would have hung up on me because i was so fired up about it um it's just a total failure of the system. And I I don't know that 90 seconds is correct, but I agree with Shane Sparks. They should cut it off. I don't remember which level of football they used to do that with. Um, They would show video for a certain amount of time and then the screen would go dark and they had to make a call. Um, And I agree with that. Um, If the technology isn't working, if it's not able to deliver you a shot in that amount of time, then the call on the mat stands like that's that happens all the time. You know, I, I think it was the Logan Steber, Tony Ramos NCAA finals match where Iowa challenged, they went to the review and then they realized someone stood in front of the camera. I don't remember if it was a coach or the second official had been right in front of the camera. And so they gave them back their challenge, but that, you know, that happens like that's, that's just going to happen. There's no way you're always going to get, you know, the review technology to work correctly we cannot have matches where we stand around and stand around and stand around for no reason. I mean, we, we literally, uh, there was one overturned call and yeah, maybe that call would have stood and maybe that would have been bad. That was the call. Soriano had his hands blocked around the body of fix when they were in the, you know, they were up on their feet by then. So that was okay. And then fix went down, put a hand down. Initially they called the locked hands upon review. They said it was beyond reaction time you know, maybe that would have stood because the technology wasn't working right or for whatever reason, but that's, that would have been infinitely better than what we got. Um, It's just that that's nobody wants what we saw. And, you know, 
it's just, it, it drives me insane. Yes, I agree with you. We want to get it right as much as we can. Maybe 90 seconds isn't long enough. I don't know what the time is, but there's got to be a, a point where you say, you know, we've looked at this or the technology is not going to give us the look we need. We can't overturn it. We're moving on. Um, and it took way too long to do it on Sunday you know, I, I looked up the locked hands rule just to make sure I understood it. Um, and I'll tell you what, right, the way the locked hands rule is called, if you challenge one of those sit-out positions, I bet you get, I bet it's, you can find a locked hands at some point. Um, and I'm very surprised that they didn't come back and call it. They probably used some judgment. You know, obviously, you're, it's one of those things you see it in football a lot that they're trying to – they're not going to try to call it in slow motion. They're going to try to call it at regular speed because it's not fair. You can slow things down and see a lot of things that you're not going to catch um, on a regular basis. It, it It's just bad. It, the rules – that we have right now, I understand. And, you know, I actually put this down to talk about Andy's article about the rules committee, um, which that's out on track wrestling. And I urge you, if you're interested at all in how the rules get changed and how maybe what's coming down the pipe, check it out because that's a really good look inside. And they talk about, you know, Mark Branch and Kevin Jackson both talk about the process they went through to get to some of the edge out of bounds rules and the neutral danger zone rule. I love that they're putting that blood, sweat, and tears into the rules, but there are some obvious things that we can tweak that I don't understand why we haven't. Um, and limiting the time of review is a huge one. It just makes a lot of sense. The hands-to-the-face rule continues to be a problem. I understand that it's in the book, but I'm going to say this again. Stalling and unnecessary roughness can address every single aspect of hands-to-the-face that they're concerned about, every single one. Why do we need this call without a warning, without anything else that just gives a point? I mean, in that article, Andy talks about, you know, changing dual scoring possibly. And, you know, he's an advocate of cumulative scoring, which I'm not. But that's one of the reasons I'm not a fan of cumulative scoring because we have these arbitrary calls that give points. And it drives me crazy when people, you know, do you want a match to a, a duel to come down to that in an advancement tournament? I mean, we saw the Virginia duels this weekend. It's it, probably the best E1 duel tournament out there. It might be the only one right now. And do we want that title dis determined by hands to the face ball? Because that's what we have right now. Like that kind of stuff is, and it just drives me crazy. I love that they're trying to get it right. I love that they're, their passion. I love their intent, but the result leaves something to be desired right now. And there's a lot of rules out there that just have not been addressed. Um, you know, and this, it's, it's unfair of us to sit here and talk about, you know, I've, I've heard some criticism of the officials. It's not the officials right now. It's the rule. Now, some of the officials back a little ways that wouldn't call stalling correctly have brought this rule set on us. And that's an entire <laughs> conversation that I'm going to try not to talk about this time. But right now, they're calling the rules as they are written. They're not written well enough. They need to be better. And, you know, I hope they'll address it. This is an off-season where there will be rule changes. Um, this is that year because it's a two-year cycle. So last year was just a point of emphasis stuff. This year they will do it. You know, they will make some changes. I hope they're looking at something to do it. And you know, Andy's article was pretty funny. He talked a lot about 
this article talks a lot about, well, there's things. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a lot of feedback, so I hope you can hear me. You're breaking up a little bit. Yeah. Okay, there it goes. Um, Andy's article talks some about changing, you know, tournament scoring to be more like dual scoring so that, you know, people can understand it better. You know, I, I'm not one that's like, well, we can't fix that until we fix everything else. I get it. But at the same time, there's so many other points that need to be fixed before that's even an issue. And, I mean, just print how much – Every round in the NCAA tournament, you can print how much you get for winning that match, how many team points you get for winning that match on the bracket, and people will know it in, you know, five years. But instead, we want to talk about changing it to dual score and changing 100 years of history for what? And we still can't get the review system right. So I just it, – it, it, you know, you can tell it's got me fired up. I never talk this much without letting you get in edgewise, but it's it, it just – it boggles my mind, and it's something I'm passionate about. Um, rules and sports administration. This is what administrators are for. Getting the rules right, getting a, a rule set that the fans can understand, that gets the right winner, and that the officials can implement correctly. And that makes everybody feel better. And we don't have that right now. It's, we're trying. I get it. A lot of people are trying. It's not there. And this was a good example of where, where we're short right now, in my opinion. I'm glad that was the short version. <laughs> we got to keep moving. I gotta get, we got to get through. We got to get through seven more weights, eight more weights, and talk about the weekend. It's a mess. Don't get it fixed. Those guys are going to wrestle again. I think that we can just leave it at that. So, Absolutely. Forty-one. Yep. We'll move up to one forty-one. Um, Tristan Moran scored a big win this week, uh, beating Nick Lee of Penn State twelve ten in sudden victory two. Uh, it was Lee's first loss of the season and by far Moran's best win of the year. Sedarian Perry also took out Dom Demas of OU four to three. And um, you may see that Garrett Lambert of Hofstra beat Nick Gill of Navy. That is correct. Uh, but by disqualification. Gil, Matt returned Lambert. Um, it was deemed a slam, and Lambert was injured, unfortunately. So that's how that happened. Um, what do you make of Tristan Moran over Nick Lee? Uh, I think Penn State's just in the middle of a training cycle. I mean, you saw a couple guys not get the bonus points they normally do. I, it, we dropped Lee from 4 to 6. Uh, Moran moved up from 21 to 17. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Like... Uh, let's put it this way. I mean, I know Tristan Moran. I like Tristan Moran a lot. But if I had to bet on what was going to happen again, I mean, I wouldn't bet against Nick Lee. So, I mean, it, you win with offense, and, and Nick Lee's one of the most offensive wrestlers at that weight class. I think he's got to be fine, you know. So, I, you know, I don't think he was looked at as a top. I think he was kind of at the top of the second tier anyway after those first three. Now he's kind of in the middle of that second tier. You know, I mean, he's, he's a four through eight guy, and I think he's still a four through eight guy. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, you mentioned Penn State might be training through some things. I mean, we see that with every program has good and bad duels. And uh, it was interesting to note that it, that was exactly one year um, after the Michigan duel last year, where they really struggled. So, um, if they're following their blueprint, they're right on schedule once again. And their blueprints had pretty good results. Yep. So far, so good. Yeah. At 149 pounds, we had a lot of interesting results. Fernie Silva of Indiana beat Alfred Bannister of Maryland 6-4. to Got to give a shout-out to Angel, Angel Escobedo up there. He's doing a great job. Um, 
you just see he's, you know, less than a year into that job and he's got those guys just performing a lot better than they were last year. He's moving in the right direction. And if he can land some recruits, he's going to be in really good shape. Um, Christian Montserrat of West Virginia beat Justin Oliver of NC State 3-1. to one. Robert Lee defeated Henry Pohlmeyer 6-2 to two as Pittsburgh shut out South Dakota State. Obviously, South Dakota State still without Seth Gross, as you mentioned. Um, and Pohlmeyer, you know, he's one of those guys who pulls a lot of upsets, and he had just done it. He beat Max Thompson 2-1, to one, um, and Thompson had been wrestling better. So uh, he's just one of those guys you just never know what you're going to get. He could win every match, or and he'll you know, get beat now and then. So it's... <laughs> It's hard to rank him, I'm sure. Um, a couple other interesting guys, Will Martin of Wisconsin over Brady Berge, 8-7, to seven, and uh, Tanner Smith of Chattanooga over Josh Marucas, 7-5. to five. Davian Jeffries and Josh Marucas split. The, as Arizona State wrestled Oklahoma twice at the Virginia Duels and those two split matches. So uh, a lot to cover here at 149. I think you covered most of it. To me, the most interesting thing was G-Fellow went 0-2 and moved up in the rankings. <laughs> So I think that's a, uh, you know, that's a statistical anomaly, but it, it was deserved. He lost to Colo and he lost to Ashnault, but uh, Oliver had a bad loss, so he dropped. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a way it feels like there's three guys and then the rest of those guys. You know, Austin O'Connor's been awfully consistent, so maybe four guys, but sort of five through – 17 feels like any of those guys on a given day could sneak into the top eight. You know, I mean, G Feller is technically a backup, you know, and I mean, that's crazy. So, you know, Dagan's had some good wins. You know, Justin Oliver's done it before. I'm super high on Brock Mahler. Uh, Paul Meyer, we talked about, you know, low, low ceiling, but or low basement, but high ceiling. Uh, Max Thompson's done it before. So, yeah. Brady Berge's at 17 right now, and I really feel like he'll probably somehow end up in the round of 12. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of movement there. It's, it, that's going to be, you know, if you're if you're out there playing, you know, you know, fantasy wrestling, you know, those that's some fun picks right there. Look at the brackets and get the right guy. Yeah, yeah I feel like you know we talked about Dick Seriato at length. You know, the Ashnault Gefeller match, which was two matches later. Um, it was everything, yeah, everything we wanted, right? A lot of action, both guys going for it all the way through. And, you know, that, you know, I talked about the DeSanto stuff, you know, not being what we want, that just, it, there's nothing for it. Like the end of Gefeller, Ashnault, when, you know, Ashnault celebrated a little bit, did the guns, Gefeller took exception and shoved him and they kind of yelled at each other. I don't mind that. I, I see that as two competitors getting after it. Neither one wants to give an inch. Like that stuff, doesn't bother me now obviously John got on to Gefeller he you know he talked about it in his post-match you know press conference about you know he needs to rein that in and I get it uh, but as a fan I liked what both those guys did what'd you make of it the best move of the whole meet was the the John Smith dance when Gefeller hit the reversal yeah I haven't seen that <laughs> that without a doubt without a doubt the best move of the entire weekend right there J-Dub got loose. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels different, right? You know, I mean, you know, Ashnault's, you know, been the poster boy for the resurgence at Rutgers and big win. I mean, he's supposed to win that match, but he's still beating a guy from Oklahoma State. G's not going to take any, you know, take any crap from anybody. It does feel different. 
you know, it also doesn't feel like premeditated. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to spend any more time on 33, but it feels different for sure. Yeah. Moving up to 157, uh, you know, when, if people just see the scores and they're like, hey, Caleb Young beat Steve Blee's 7-1, like, oh, well, that's a pretty easy win, no problem. But, man, go Dominant, watch, right? Dominant. Go watch the end of that match. My goodness, Steve Blee's in deep with a body lock, looked like he was going to get the winning takedown in a 1-1 match, and suddenly Caleb Young with the step over and throws a wild headlock for a six at the end, both guys get up with blood everywhere. I think most of it was bleases. Um, but yeah, fantastic throw rescued victory from the jaws of defeat. Just everything you could say it was, you know, that match wasn't much, but the last 20 or 30 seconds was amazing. So go check that out. Um, Luke Weber, North Dakota state over to Rachmani, 10 to four, um, not a lot going wrong for Pitt, but that was a big win for North Dakota state. Jason Nolf over Ryan Deacon, 19 to seven. And I mean, my goodness, you know, it's funny. I go through these every week and I try to catch any upsets, anything that affected the rankings and, you know, some of the big matches too, but sometimes we gotta, we gotta say, you know, like that match, it doesn't affect the rankings. Everyone thought Nolf was going to win, but my goodness, Jason Nolf is, he's good at wrestling, man. He's 19 to seven over Ryan Deacon is insane. And He's on his own first two levels. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Good percent. Yeah. Um, Justin Thomas of Oklahoma pinned Christian Pagdalau 5-2 to two and – or not pinned. <laughs> I was reading the next line. He beat Christian Pagdalau 5-2, to two, and then Pagdalau beat him 4-2 to two the next day. As previously mentioned, those two teams wrestled twice. And Jake Keating of, U- of Virginia just – basically proved that he's never out of a match. He was down 14 to nothing against Lockhaven and pinned his man and then pinned Pagdalau after trailing in that match. So uh, I gave Steve Garland and his staff a few gray hairs, I'm sure, but um, got the win in both cases. So good job by you, young man. Uh, Zach Hartman of Bucknell over Josh Humphreys of Lehigh by fall was a surprise. And BC LaPreda of Virginia Tech over Larry Early, eight to four. And from what I've heard, I haven't seen it yet, but um, from what I've heard, Laprada was uh, wearing a, a neck brace. And so we've, we've, we got rid of Grant Leith, unfortunately he got injured and now we have another neck brace out there. So uh, winning matches, that's what neck braces do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this was, there's a lot of moves in the rankings at this weight. Um, you know, Peg Delato a guy that, you know, always had, you know, just, just kind of, snatch victories or, or defeat from the jaws of victory. So uh Nolf was super impressive. I actually watched that match. I mean it's a weird wait because there's Nolf, then there's Berger and Deacon. And I, I mean I've had Caleb Young ranked higher than everybody else all year. And I'm not so much convinced he's that good, but I think his body of work deserves to be where we have him ranked. So it's it's another weight where, you know, like five through twelve or six through twelve feels really, really fluid. So uh, you know just a lot of results like you said. I mean Josh Humphreys is a guy that I was kinda high on and he got pinned. When you mentioned the clucker fourteen to nothing, it wasn't just fourteen to nothing. He had one count against them as well. It was like fourteen right. and a half to nothing. Yeah. He, he was probably losing on riding time, it was probably 15 and a half and nothing when he pinned that guy. Yeah, I mean, the the two the two near fall that Clucker got before that, 
was almost four, and then he got one swipe <laughs> to almost get another two after yeah, that, right. and then all of a sudden Keating reversed him and pinned him, and it was just mad. Because they threw the brick. They threw the brick trying to get the second call, the second yeah. swipe. Well, I would yeah. too. Like well, I just, it's not it's not a big team point swing. It's only eleven points. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Moving up to one sixty five, Jesse Delavecchia of Ryder beat Ebba Gerald of Drexel nine to four. And that's that's really all I have at one sixty five. I mean Marinelli looked great um against Minnesota, but he was supposed to. So uh, did you see anything else at one sixty five? No, there was really no changes at all. I mean Chandler Rogers set out. I mean, we'll keep an eye on that. You know, wishing him a quick recovery. Yeah, the uh, Jason Elmquist, who covers Oklahoma State here, I saw on Twitter before they left that um, he reported that John said if this was the NCAA tournament, Rogers would wrestle. But since it's not, we're going to sit him. Um, so I expect him back. But uh, yeah, keep an Good. eye on that. Uh, moving up to 174, Anthony Manchinona of Oklahoma beat Selden Wright by fall in 144 out of the Virginia duels. Um, I think a lot of us are waiting for Manchinona to get a big win, and that, that certainly qualifies. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's not – there weren't a ton of changes this weight either. So, sort of made up for 49-57 and uh, me almost missing my train trying to watch that 133 match we talked about earlier. <laughs> Well, you know, you expected it 10 to 15 minutes, and it took 45, so. That's, yeah, yeah. Moving up to 184, Mason Reinhardt of Wisconsin beat Nick Gravina 2-1. to one. Um, Gravina appeared to sustain an injury near the end of the match, and uh, I know Goodale said several times that they'll know more this coming week. Uh, he just can't seem to get off the injury train. Uh, Reinhardt yeah. is wrestling better and better for Wisconsin. He uh, he wrestled pretty well against Shakur Rashid, ended up losing 5-0, so I, he may be coming on. He's a guy that's had to sit behind a couple of pretty good wrestlers, so uh, we may see him hit his stride over the next few weeks. And uh, Emory Parker over Cam Caffey of Michigan State 6-4 in sudden victory one was a surprise. Caffey continues to uh, have a pretty nice freshman season, although he learned a few lessons. You know, so Caffey, obviously, tough match with Emory Parker. And then, you know, he learned a few lessons against Miles Martin. Um, a pretty good super duck, but in, for the most part, it was one-way traffic. Yeah, but Cam Caffey's going to be a factor. He's a kid from right across the river here. Super talented guy that didn't wrestle a lot of freestyle or folks or Greco to the end. But um, I, I think the lesson here is Miles Martin feels like he's on his own level and it's not close. And I also think Parker is going to have to work his way back into shape. He's been gone for a long time. There's just nothing else to make up for. Nothing can replace just time on the mat against good guys. True, true. And, you know, yeah, I think we, we kind of undervalue that sometimes. You know, we think these guys can just snap their fingers and be back to where they were the last time we saw them, and it, that's just not the case. And we know that from those of us who wrestled, but I think we forget that sometimes. That's a good point. You know that with coaching, too. Like, there's guys that just have – there's nobody that can do it against a guy of their level. You know, like, you can – you know, if you're a three-time state champ, you can beat a guy that's the first year on varsity that, you know – beat the JV guy by one point in the wrestle off and look fine, but that's not the match that matters. Right. So it's a big difference. Moving up to 197, um, a case where we may be seeing that Tom Slay avenged an earlier loss to JIL of Virginia seven to three as the Hokies took the Virginia duels title. Um, Josh Hokett of Fresno state is coming off of football season and he beat Willie Miklas four to two in sudden victory one. 
Ben Honus of Cornell, who has struggled a little bit this year, uh, taking over at 197 again, uh, knocked off Jake Jacobson of Lehigh 6-2, although Lehigh did win that duel. And uh, Drew Phipps of Bucknell beat Kyle Gentile of Lehigh 3-1. to one. So uh, Lehigh is still trying to figure out who their 197 is, and they both lost this weekend. Uh, I'm sure they're not happy about that. What would you make of it, David? A couple things. Lehigh told me it's scuffled to rank Jacobson and not, not Gentile. So until further notice, I'm going with that. Second thing is, it's weird how I don't remember some of our picks at all and some things I remember vividly. I know you are the engineer of the Tom Slade train. So, uh, you know, I actually said that to a buddy of mine. I'm like, Rick and Steen's going to win that bet um, for sure. Because, you know, you, you take five guys that were top 10 in the beginning of the year and take them out, and then he just keeps rolling. And then, you know, the Miklas thing just, it just, it's so crazy. Like to me, I mean, Rocco K was up to four. It's Nickel, Brucky, it's Nickel, Moore, Brucky, and then Kwood, and now Warner, and now Miklas. And I think that's the right order, you know, because Warner beat Miklas head to head, then Traxler, then Slay, then Aiello, and then Schultz. And I mean, Schultz was second out of Vegas, but has some crazy losses during the year. I mean, Dakota Gear, who probably doesn't weigh 197 pounds, is 11. Yeah. It's, it's a thin weight class. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, Warner doesn't look good right now. He's winning mostly, but he just doesn't look like I think we all thought he would. Like you said, Gear is undersized every time he takes the mat, and he's taking a loss or two that's weird. It's just – you're right. It's, it's a weird weight, and – there's going to be some guys on that All-American podium at the end of the year that I don't think anyone expected at the start. So, if you had the if you had the guys that should have, should be there like Kyle Connell, Jacob Holschlag, Ben Darmstead, you know, right? It's those guys. I mean, then you start Preston Weigel. Okay, like there's four guys right there. Like, all right, there you go. Now you're now now you're seven deep, right? right. And now now K Woods eight. And Jacob Warner and Miklas are around at 12. You're like, wow, that's a pretty good weight. Yeah. Miklas is a three-time All-American, and he's not ranked in the top eight. Yeah, so, but yeah, he's rarely ranked in the top eight if you go look back at it. So double-digit seed twice. Really, <laughs> Miklas screwed up the rankings the most last year with that Jared Hot pin. You and I talked about that when we weren't even working together last year. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Indeed. Yeah. Moving up to 285, the only thing I have written down, Gannon, Gannon Grimmel of Iowa State with a nice win over A.J. Nevels of Fresno State, 6-5. to five. Uh, Did you see anything else out there on the big boys? No, not, not much change there at all. I mean, I did notice that uh, Oregon State, Amar Desi wrestled and looked better, obviously, against lesser competition. So he'll work his way back from wherever he was yeah, I think he took a break probably after under 23s, and um, we'll see as he works his way back. Heavyweight's kind of a mess, too, with that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, Desi is we don't know, and Sam Stoll we, we never see, and just a lot of a lot of question marks there. Um, be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, the one other thing, and I took Seth Gross out of the rankings this week. I just, you know, we just – we diatribe for a long time about 133, but, um, you know, so that was the other thing, like picks moved up a couple spots because of that, you know, because everybody moved up one and then he moved up another spot. So, yeah, I mean, we'll move gross back in and we'll probably move him back in at one if he wrestles, but until he wrestles, I mean, it's a long time. You and me used to 
and you would help me with this debate about, you know, when this, and when do you pull a guy and when you don't, it's, it's tough. So we've, but we just made that decision this week to pull him out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mid January. And if you haven't wrestled by now, <laughs> what are you going to do yeah. with that? So I get it. Makes sense to me. Um, it's, it's hard with guys that don't wrestle because, you know, we talked about with Parker, you know, he, he's taken a minute to get back to his form. And so if we saw Seth Gross next weekend, I don't think anyone would expect him to be at the national title winning form he's at, but he might get back there quickly. So it's, it, it makes no sense to rank him, you know, 15th if he's zero. No, if on it, yeah, you don't split the middle, right? right? And it actually doesn't matter anyway, because, you know, I mean, what, what are you going to give their team a point and a half? Like it doesn't change right. anything, right? Like he's either one or he's 26. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm with yeah, for sure. Definitely. So, um, you know, we we talked about Iowa Rutgers, which obviously has the big DeSanto Soriano matchup, which will be a lot of fun. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, I was kind of negative about the, all that that went on. There's a lot to be negative about, but I got to say that Rutgers, you know, Goodale has some detractors and whatever, you know, every program that has any chance at being in the top five, top 10, whatever, is going to have some detractors after a few years, you know, that, oh, they should be better. They should do this. They should get more recruits, whatever. But take a look at where that program was and all that he has done. And then you go out there on Sunday on a national televised, you know, broadcast on BTM plus and, 8,000, you know, sold out rack. That, that place was crazy. That place, I mean, he yeah. has the fans into it. They're fired up. A couple of them got a little too into it after the Soriano match, but I understand that happens. There's some bad apples now and then, but I mean, you just look at where that program is right now and where they used to be. That's, that's a story. And it's fantastic what he's doing there. He's done a good job, but Jersey people always showed out. I mean, Jersey people love wrestling. I mean, the final X out there is going to be insane. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much the, the, the freestyle on Greco knowledge is, but it's going to be insane in terms of atmosphere. So, yeah, and you, and you, know, you mentioned that, that duel with Iowa. I mean, I think that people want to see that. Thursday night is UNI-Mizzou. There's some good match up there right away. Like I think of Lujan Daniel Lewis, they had a good match last year. Minnesota, Illinois, and Northwestern Wisconsin on Friday, along with Iowa Rutgers. Um, Sunday, Nebraska, Penn State is also kind of, you know, there's some interesting matches there. I mean, we'll see how Berger does with Nolf, Chad Red, Nick Lee, 97. Can Eric Schultz, you know, do anything but not get destroyed because that's what's going on there at that weight class? I mean, there's, 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 and you know, Zeke Moisey's been an enigma this year too. I mean, at the at the time he transferred, it was a big deal, and you know, so far it hasn't yielded a lot of results. Yeah, he had, you know, he didn't have a very good regular season last year. Kind of stumbled into the postseason. I don't even remember that he did very well at the Big Twelve tournament, and then he ended up on the on the podium. So who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, seems like half the time he's in the lineup, half the time he's not. Um, we'll see. Uh, and those, those are the kind of guys that make NCAA wrestling incredibly hard to predict because he could, you know, never get healthy and just end up not having a shot or be an all American again for the third time. So 
you just never know. That's the fun time of this. This time of year is kind of fun. There's good duels going on all the time. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot to talk about. And you never know which, which one of those guys is going to make a run. No doubt. No doubt. And it, like you said, I mean, and that's, you know, our sponsor, like you can go on there and prove it. Go to fantasygrade.com and make your picks and, and, and try to outguess everybody else. It's, it's a super fun way to do it. And, and you get the official proof. You can say, "I told you so," right? Absolutely. So, yeah. I, one of those. So are we gonna pick? Are we gonna pick three matches this weekend? Is that what you want to do? That? I mean, I'm kind of unprepared. I don't know which matches we should pick. All right, next week. Yeah. Let's do it next week. Okay. All right. I mean, sure. I'll just do both reads for another week. That's cool. I mean, you, you've been carrying the load for how long? Over 100 episodes now. I think you can do it for one more year. But I will come prepared. I think, I think Andy Hamilton might argue with you about <laughs> and and I think if you weren't being kind, you might argue against that as well. So, yeah, for sure. So I, I, I will put the over under on when my next rant will be um, about the rules and about other things that administratively that nobody else cares about really until they rear their ugly heads. But uh, you know. Just putting it out there, I'm available if the rules committee wants another another voice in the room. I'll get thrown by Kevin Jackson on the edge of the mat, like, you know, that'll work out. <laughs> Seriously, go read that article by Andy Hamilton. It's really interesting. Um, it's it, it's frustrating a little bit to cert, in certain degree, but it's really enlightening, and I think everybody should read it. So go check that out. It's on trackwrestling.com right now. David, is there anything else we need to talk about before I get out of here and – Move no, on. sir. Okay. Um, I'm going to watch uh, Edwardsville CBC tonight. I'm going to coach at Central Missouri Open this weekend. Uh, for all my Kansas City friends, go Chiefs. So that's it, man. That's all I got. Woof. Go Chiefs. That's borderline hate speech, but I'll let you get away with it. I'm in Missouri. I know. Not hate speech. You got you got a rep for the home team, I guess. I'm in Oklahoma. I don't know what that is. I don't know what pro NFL looks like. Um, Chiefs here. Chiefs Rams would be perfect for Missouri fans. I mean, I, I'm the a team that, the girl that left us versus the girl that stayed. That's true. That's true. That yeah. was a big storyline, and they scored like a <laughs> points the last time they played. So that's yeah, cool. first one to fifty, baby. <laughs> All right, well, it's like Big Twelve football. Absolutely, uh, a lot of good wrestling <laughs> going on this weekend. Check that out, and come back next week. We'll break it all down for you. For David Miracatani, this is Alex Steen signing off. <laughs>